Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and you are a part of our summer series called Encounter. This has been such a just breath of fresh air this summer to hear people's stories of how they had an encounter with Jesus and how their life was never the same again. In fact, we believe that every single person who's a follower of Jesus Christ has a powerful story of how they encountered Jesus. You do, I do, and our guest today, Matt Krieg, does as well. You might recognize Matt because he was on the podcast, The Happy Hour, the show you're listening to with his wife, Lori, earlier this year. And today in the show, Matt shares his story of growing up in a Christian home, but realizing at 29 years old that he didn't really know Jesus. He knew a lot about Jesus. Matt talks about his struggle with comparison to his brethren and trying to find worth and value. And then at 11 years old, he was introduced to pornography and he fell into a secret addiction for nearly two decades. Matt dealt with so much self-loathing that he truly wanted to take the secret to the grave. One day, he had a moment where he finally handed his lies and his shame over to God and the Lord took them. You're going to love the story of God redeeming him from this secret addiction that he really said he wanted to take to the grave. Matt's journey is a journey of freedom and healing, and it is the epitome of the story of the gospel. It is the good news, and there is power in that good news. I really hope that Matt's story touches you as much as it touched me, and that you're able to see the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the way that God pursues us as his children. You guys, here is Matt Craig's Encounter Story. Matt, welcome back to the happy hour. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Great to have you again, especially to be a part of our encounter series, which we're running this summer of just allowing people who've been on the show before to come back and give us a little deeper dive into their journey with Jesus. You know, the happy hour, it's funny, I'll just explain this up front real quick for the listeners. The happy hour, it's a faith-based podcast. Obviously, we're in the faith category. I'm a Christian. Everything I do is for Jesus. But we don't always cover every aspects of faith on every show. It's just like, oh, this is a believer and here's their life. And so for me, this has been really fun to bring people back and be like, tell me your story. Like, tell me of how you came to know Jesus because... I'm a broken record, but I think stories change the world, and I think our stories are used that way. So I don't actually know your story, Matt, which this is even more exciting because I'm sitting here like I'm the listener. I'm pulling up a chair. And so I would love for you to kind of tell us a little bit of your journey pre-Jesus, what that looked like, your family, your knowledge of faith, all of that, and then lead us into how your life was wrecked forever in a good way. Yeah. I Well, let me just first and foremost be honest. I'm not used to doing these without Lori sitting next to me. <laughs> and so like even before this, I was super nervous because I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just unusual for me. So yeah, get that out of the way. <laughs> but the weird thing with my story is I there is not a time in my life that I remember where I didn't know about Jesus. Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church like, you know, 
two times a week. I mean, it was every Sunday for, for church and every Wednesday for youth group and doing all that stuff. And yet, probably the whole time in my life up until later, you know, in kind of early adulthood, I was 29 years old. I don't know that I actually knew Jesus. Mm. I knew about him. And so... I feel like that's a lot of people's story, Matt. Where'd you grow up? Can I ask that? Yeah. So I've been kind of on a, a constant journey north, it seems like. I was born in Dallas, so so Texas, native Texan here. Mm-hmm. And then my dad was transferred to a new workplace in Cincinnati, Ohio, when I was six okay. years old. Grew up in Cincinnati and then went up to Grand Rapids, Michigan for college and then met Lori and then kind of... You have just been heading home. north. You're just heading on up. Well, the reason yeah. I say that is because I think a lot of people understand that experience that you're telling us about. I know I did. I grew up in a Christian home. Like I knew all the things. I was in church all the time, but didn't really know Jesus until I was 21 as well. Okay, so keep going with your story. Yeah. So growing up, I kind of prayed the prayer. I got baptized when I was like eight years old and just in all honesty, did it because I wanted to be able to take communion because I was hungry during church. And <laughs> that is such an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> it's definitely when snack time. Oh, look, they've yeah. got the wafers. <laughs> yeah. And not worth the snack, but I mean, worth everything else. Right. And so, yeah, I got baptized, you know, knew of Christ, was active in youth group, yet constantly had this question just burning inside me of, am I worth anything? Mm. And I'm the second, well, I'm the second in my nuclear family. Mm -hmm. Um, I have an older brother who's 14 months older than me. He was always a little bit cooler. I looked up to him so much. Yeah. And he was, he was more outgoing, more, more gregarious. And so I always felt like completely in his shadow. Yeah. And, and he's a wonderful brother. We get along so well, but there was just always this question inside me of, am I as good as my brother? Am yeah. I as good as Josh? And constantly kind of coming up with this realization that I didn't feel like I was. Mm. And I had friends that would, you know, come over that were maybe my friends to start out, but then they would start asking for him, mm-hmm. you know, because he was always the one that knew, what, hey, this is what we were going to do today. But inside it just kind of deepened this, this question of, man, where is my value? Where is my worth? And I remember when I was 11 years old, I was over at a friend's house and I was getting a basketball or something out of, you know, his garage. And I look up. And staring like right in my face was this calendar mm. that had women on it. Yeah. And at, for the first time in my life, I was introduced to pornography at the age of 11. And it was like this crazy whoa moment of I'm intrigued by this. Mm-hmm. I'm attracted to this, but also knowing I shouldn't be looking at yeah. this. Yeah. And in that moment of like seeing this for the first time, the father the owner of the home looked over, saw me looking and was like, Hey Matt, do you want that? Do you want to take Mm -hmm. that home? And I was like, okay. And he's like, okay, well, let's ask your parents. And so we go, we ask my parents and my parents are like, no, no, we're not going to do that. We don't do that. Yeah. But that was kind of the end of the conversation. And so in that moment, I felt a lot of shame. I felt a lot of guilt, but I was also intrigued And so what ended up happening was a secret pornography addiction, which really carried on through up until the age of 29 years old, Mm. you know, and it was something that I learned to fight in high school. I learned was, you know, every man's battle, quote unquote, you know, Mm -hmm. as a youth group member and as a college kid and, and really thought, really worked hard and kind of white knuckled it to try and 
beat it. Yeah. And I thought I was doing well. I had a great community in college of guys that this was like our mission from freshman year up until senior year, like to get pornography out of our life. And I would go long stretches, you know, it went from like once a week to once a month to every like maybe six months to like this point where I'm like, I've done it. Yeah. I've beaten it. I'm not looking anymore. And then I get married after college to my beautiful wife, Lori. And what happens after college is like everyone scatters. You know, everyone mm-hmm. goes off to look for jobs, moving out of state. And so this community that I had was all of a sudden gone. Yeah. And a year into marriage to Lori, which I thought would fix Solve me. your problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was always told. Like, mm-hmm. get married. That'll solve that. Yeah. That'll, you'll have this avenue to explore mm-hmm. your sexuality. And what ended up happening was a year into marriage, we were in the season where... I mean, it, we just weren't close. We were working opposite schedules. I would, we would talk on like Sunday and mm-hmm. kind of plan out the week and then realize like, okay, I won't really see you again until Thursday. Yeah. And so this place of extreme isolation and I fell back into pornography and I fell hard to the point where it grew and grew and grew in isolation and shame mm-hmm. and just deep, deep hatred of myself. But the pornography grew to a daily habit, a daily addiction. Yeah. At that point when you were, you know, you had this group in college and, you know, I've heard my husband, Aaron, talk about this kind of like fight club in college with Mm -hmm. pornography. And like, I mean, you're just buddies and you're helping each other and it's beautiful. And all of a sudden you find yourself alone and, and you're married and that doesn't solve that problem. So you're back in it. What did you feel like? God thought of you in those moments? Like, cause you know, you have a faith background, even though you tell us you don't really start really diving in and trusting Jesus till a little bit later, Mm -hmm. but there had to have been a little bit of like, what does God think about me? How did you deal with that in that season? Yeah. I don't know that I actively thought like, oh, what does God think of me? Mm -hmm. Because my own self-loathing was so deep that I assumed that God would feel the same way. Yeah. And so when I look at my history, when I look, you know, at the story of the prodigal son, you know, in the Bible, I can definitely relate to that older brother where I would see other people who were maybe extended grace and I would get angry Mm. and I would be like, well, I'm working so hard. I'm trying to do this thing. And here at this time, when I was deep in this pornography addiction, I had been to Christian college. I was, I graduated with a youth ministry degree. I graduated with my master's in counseling. I was actively Mm. a missionary to at-risk youth in California. And I was harboring this secret pornography addiction that I was just like, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. Why is it not working? Mm. Why do I have this double life where everything on the outside looks great, Mm -hmm. but inside I was a wreck? Yeah. You know, and eventually it started to bubble to the surface where I couldn't keep it hidden anymore. Yeah. I couldn't manage my life anymore. And so Lori would look at me and she would see this deep depression that I was falling into. And she would honestly be the recipient of a lot of anger. I was very short. Yeah. You know, I would argue with her about making coffee in the afternoon because mm-hmm. I just wanted to be able to control something. It was bad. Yeah. And ultimately it came to head where We had some friends who were wonderful friends in California, and they had kind of gifted me with a counseling session with this lady who's not a licensed counselor. She is, she calls herself more of a prophet. Her goal Mm -hmm. is to usher people into the throne room of God. And I'm like, well, I don't have anything to work on. Yeah. And then like (laughs) two days after they tell me this, we find out that the place where we're working is not going to renew our contract. 
So all of a sudden I'm facing, and because of my shortcomings, they mm. pointed that out. They said, hey, you're not working out. We're going to yeah. go separate ways at the end of this year. And so I'm like, all of a sudden, well, now I guess I have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I'm planning on going in to talk to this lady and she gives me all this homework to do. And one of the things was to identify, she said, you need to take two hours before you come in and you need to write out everything that you believe, all the lies that you believe about yourself. Mm. And I was like, okay, sure. Recognize like, yeah, as a counselor, that's a positive thing to explore your own cognitions. And I do that and I start seeing this theme over and over. I'm worthless. Mm. I am not talented. I am not fit for ministry. I am not gifted. I am not attractive. I am nothing good over and over, just this worthlessness being spoken over me. And so I take this list in to this meeting with this lady and I'm like so worried mm-hmm. that she is just going to look at me and somehow God's going to like tell her like that this dude's addicted to porn and that I'm just going to get berated. Mm. And what happened was she like kind of ushered me into this place and I'm getting a little emotional now just thinking about it. But she ushered me into this place of just visualizing Jesus standing in front of me. And I would picture him as a little 11-year-old boy. Mm. Like I was 11, staring at Jesus, and I had this backpack on full of all these lies. And she's like, just start handing them to him. So I handed them to him, and it's he's taking them, every single one. And his response to me wasn't, Matt, you're worthless. It was, Matt, know that I love you. Not just, Matt, I love you. Matt, like, remain in my love for you. And I saw him, like, kind of wrap me up in this hug. And it was at that moment, it's like I went from being this 11-year-old boy in my own mind to this 30-year-old, almost 30-year-old man. All the while still secretly struggling with pornography. That didn't come up at all. And it wasn't until probably three weeks after this kind of encounter with God who loves me dearly that I was able to come forward to my wife, which was the scariest thing I think I've ever done in my life. Because we had just had our first child. She was about six, seven months old. And with telling Lori, I was like, I'm probably never going to see my daughter again. I'm never going to see my wife again. She's going to leave. And I wanted to take it to my grave. I wanted to just tell anyone else but her. And then there was this this instance of spiritual warfare that happened. Lori woke up and was just feeling the suppression in our apartment that we were living at. And she woke me up and she says, Matt, I need you to pray. I need you to pray over our house and thinking, okay, I need to do my kind of husbandly duties. I need to pray over our house. And I ended up praying what was probably the most important prayer of my life, which was, God, let there be no spirit in this house that is not of you. Little did I know that that spirit was kind of within me, Yeah, that I was inviting it in. And so Lori went back to sleep and she slept soundly. I mean, she just was out like a light. And then for the next two hours, I was like laying awake, wrestling with God, just saying, no, I don't want to tell Lori. I don't want to come clean. I can't tell her. She'll hate me. There's no way. And God pretty tangibly in my mind said, Matt, if you don't tell the one that you've wronged, I will not bless you. Mm. And so I was kind of snarky 
and gonna just roll over on my side to get snuggly in bed and i was like fine if lori wakes up right now i will i'll tell her and i start to roll over and it's literally like god pushed my elbow out (laughs) and it smacked lori in the shoulder my hand hit her and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> what is happening? And she rolls over here at two in the morning and it's like, yeah. And at that point, I'm like, okay, fine, I surrender. And I told Lori my struggle, my secret addiction. And there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of pain. All the emotions that you would expect from that kind of disclosure. Yeah. But for the first time, even in the midst of that anger, for the first time, I was living free of the secret Mm. and free of the weight that secret really carried out in my life. And the anger lasted for a while, (laughs) but I started to like myself. Mm. I started to be able to look at myself, not with just disdain and contempt and anger, but to actually see like, I like the person that I'm becoming. And what came to pass was I realized like my pornography addiction wasn't just It wasn't just a sexual thing. It wasn't just a problem with pornography. It was much, much deeper than that. It was the real problem was this question that I was trying to answer. And pornography was kind of the Tylenol for me to cover up that question, which was, am I worth anything? Mm. And ultimately, that answer had to come through Christ. And since then, since that time of disclosure, like, God has just done immense work in my life and my marriage. We are still together, which I'm thankful for. I was telling Lori this even yesterday. There was no thought in my mind that we would survive that. Wow. And here we are now, six years later, and I'm like, I'm so happy. Yeah. Not just with the fact that she didn't leave, but with like the marriage that God has given us through that trial, through other trials also. But just the pornography piece was... Yeah was so deeply just ruining my mm. identity. Mm. It took a breakthrough from God to, to get, yeah. to even become open at all right. and to be able to see the real issues underneath. You know, I think one of the things that is so profound about our faith of Christianity is that there is this, it doesn't make sense, the fact that we can bring all of our mess and all of our junk and all yeah. of our screw-ups continual, <laughs> and God is a lavish lover of us. It doesn't compute in our mind because if I were in a a human relationship with someone who kept pushing me down, I would just leave. I mean, like, I'm out. (laughs) I don't have to put up with this. And hearing your story and that moment, even when you were in the, you know, the kind of counseling session with that woman, it's almost as if you had to get to a point where you believe that God still loved you in all those years through college Mm -hmm. and all those years in your 20s and all your years from 11 years old. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. 
Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Would you say that was one of the like profound things, truths that you had to believe um, that you were loved for who you were? Yeah. And I mean, for so long, and honestly, like when I see the church work specifically with sexual issues, sexual sin, we try and like hate ourselves into like more holiness, Mm. you know, and it was this realization. I mean, Romans 2, 4 says it's the kindness, the tolerance, the patience of God that leads us to repentance. It's not his anger. It's not like God was standing over me with like, a gavel, just Mm -hmm. ready to pronounce judgment. Like it was that kindness. It was Mm -hmm. that love that he extended in the midst of a time when I felt like I did deserve none of it, Mm -hmm. yet he still gave it. It's so much less about moving away from something as it is moving towards someone. Mm -hmm. And until I saw that God was loving, why would I want to move toward him? Mm -hmm. You know, and I would have had no power yeah. to say no to pornography, to say no to any of my other, you know, more quote unquote acceptable issues, like yeah. without the love of Christ. Yeah. So Matt, seven years on the other side of that, six years on the other side of that, when you tell your story like this to me publicly, is this hard for you or 
tell me why you're shaking your head now. Yeah, no. And I say this all the time. I mean, me and Lori, we do share stuff from stages, you know, and we've, you know, we've put a lot of our story into, you know, a book and it's out there and it's for people to see. And, and I tell people like right now here on this podcast, I'm not vulnerable. Like, sure, I'm sharing real things, real feelings, but there's nothing at stake for me. Not like it was six years ago mm. when my wife woke up and I thought everything is about to end. Yeah. And so this isn't hard. It's not scary. There's a little nervousness like butterflies because I'm not used to doing this on my own. But it's nothing like the vulnerability that yeah. I felt back then. Yeah. And the more you share, the more easy it is to share. I don't want to mess up the quote here. It's Psalm 32, which was actually a psalm that I read three days after I came clean to Lori. And this is the Psalm of David. And it just says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no inequity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. And up until 29 years old, when I confessed everything, I was living a deceitful life. Mm. You know, I was living a life where half, two thirds of my energy mentally was going toward managing my sin, not trying to overcome my sin, just trying to not be found out. Yeah. And there's so much freedom mm. in that openness. And whether it's sharing it, obviously, first and foremost, to my wife, Lori, to my like kind of smaller group mm -hmm. of people that are actually actively in my life, that was big. But the more I share it, the more it's like, I'm not ashamed of the fact that that was in my past. And I look out and I'm like, man, I'm def definitely not the only one who's struggling with pornography and who, you know, it's not this sexual thing. It's not about just animalistic urges. It's about so much more. And mm -hmm. as a man... I understand those, and I know there's a lot of women that understand those as well. But I feel like the rhetoric that the church has given for this has been kind of this idea that men are animals. They're going to succumb to their baser instincts, which does two bad things. One, it kind of lets guys off the hook that we don't need to control ourselves and don't need to curb those places that we go. And two, it really puts men in a bad light in the eyes of women that, well, they are just animals. Mm -hmm. You can't rely on them. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I'm not an animal. Yeah. I am a created being, but I'm also created with the spirit of God inside yeah. me. And I should be held up to that standard. Yeah. And so. You know, Matt, I think a lot of people understand at different times in their life, this kind of, you, you even talked about like managing the sin and no matter what it is in your life, when you understand that you're managing your sin, it should be kind of this light bulb of like, oh, this is bigger than I thought because mm -hmm. I've spent most of my time trying to let people not see what's plaguing me, what sin I'm struggling with. And so for that person who is in that managing season, I mean, you were there for so long and I mean, you're telling your story and it took some major God breakthroughs mm -hmm. for that to happen. And so it's not a matter of here's a three-step plan, but really what would you say to them in that person who they want so much to give over whatever it is that they're struggling with to the Lord, whether that's like your story, pornography, an eating disorder, an emotional affair, I mean, whatever it might be, cutting or whatever. What do you say to them? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, the thing you're running to is is not the problem. That's the fruit of the, the issue. Uh, the issue is a heart that is full of need, and God is the need meter, but we rarely run to him. Hmm. We rarely give him 
the opportunity to truly meet that need in us. And so if that's like me, the need to be desirable, the need to have value, if that's the need to be safe, you know, with different people, there's a strong need to be safety based on maybe hurts that they've experienced in the past that they maybe run to isolation or run to, you know, just going unnoticed almost. Mm-hmm. There's just so many like true heart needs that we have yet in the Christian church. We're so stoic to them. We like to look like we have it all together. We like to look like we've just, we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps yeah. and, and just keep moving. Yeah. We can't remain stoic to our needs. If we ever want God to be our need meter, we have to be aware that we have those needs. And mm. so whoever you are, whatever your need is, God wants to meet that in you. He longs to meet that in you. So true and so good. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Matt, would you pray for our listeners today as they listen to your story and whatever, you know, God might maybe stir in their hearts or stir of them to pray for a loved one of theirs that they might be also walking through mm-hmm. a difficult circumstance. And I love your series, you know, this is called Encounter and this moment where you had to almost encounter mm-hmm. the truth of God's love for you and it radically changed your life. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's our prayer is that people would encounter the love of God and it would mm-hmm. change their life. So would you pray for our listeners? Yeah, dear Lord, Jesus, you know our hearts. You know every need that we have. You know the journeys that we've been on. And God, whether we recognize it or not, you've been walking alongside us the whole time. And God, so many times we can feel like we are a long way off, like the prodigal son. We feel like we're in a foreign land with no hope of return. But God, where we think that we are worthless in your eyes, where we feel like maybe we've done too much and just could never, never deserve your love. God, you still call us sons. You still call us daughters. You welcome us into the family. And so God, I pray for the listeners of this episode, that somehow you would meet them, that you would you would meet them where they're at and put a robe on them, put a ring on their finger, sandals on their feet, that you would remind them, no, you're not a slave. You're my child. You're my child and you always will be. And so, Lord, we just ask for your blessing. We ask for your presence. God, it's only through a love encounter with you that we can have any hope of not running to the things that so easily entangle. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would provide that way. You would provide that encounter that your spirit would move. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matt, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you and Lori and all the work you guys are doing. So thanks for coming back on the happy hour. Thank you for having me. 
You guys, I'm so thankful for Matt's courage to sit down and have this conversation with me. I have no doubt that this is going to completely change someone's life. And so I'm praying that whoever is listening that needs to reach out to God, that they will do that in this moment today. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. The show notes are written by Abby Castell, and the show is produced by Lindsay Sweeney, and I'm your host, Jamie Ivey. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, we'd love it if you shared it with a friend. members save on meeting up with friends save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups that's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier plus members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods plus when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship start a show together with your included paramount plus subscription walmart plus members save on this plus so much more start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com paramount plus a central plan only separate registration required see walmart plus terms and conditions